All right, we're back with episode number 13 on the wealth of self. Josh Foster is our guest in this conversation. He's an advisory manager working in the DC metro area. And even though he's very early in his career, he's poised to do many great things in the coming years. And this is reinforced by his consistency and application of some incredibly formative advice from family and mentors alike. Growing up in Dayton, Ohio, Josh had a front row seat to his dad's entrepreneurial goals in the real estate sector. But as with many big dreams, there were some sacrifices that had to be made. Josh distinctly remembers his family moving into a trailer park so his dad could continue the growth of his business. This experience and some of the peer pressure that accompanied such a move put a chip on Josh's shoulder and created a competitive drive that he carries with him to this day. Josh's parents were incredibly supportive and encouraged him and all of his siblings to pursue their goals with truth and vigor, but maybe their greatest gift was teaching them how to be self-sufficient. This came in the form of cutting off financial support for Josh when he was in college. And even though this required an adjustment on his part, it forced him to understand the value of work, money management, and looking out for yourself. He reflects on this decision as one of the best things that happened to him during his time in college. As Josh veered away from his love for basketball and his college playing career, he began to more fully devote himself to identifying a fulfilling career path. However, as he concluded his college career and found an absence of available job opportunities upon graduating, he began to assist his dad with his real estate business. This experience taught him the importance of perfecting your craft and the power of knowledge developed through repetition and practice. Josh has a very long road ahead of him, but his appreciation for the process, not skipping any steps, and his positive outlook on achieving his goals is an enlightening message that many can benefit from. I'm very excited to share his story on this episode of The Wealth of Self. Welcome back from the intro. I am honored to have uh, a new participant in the studio tonight, Josh Foster. And uh, we, we haven't known each other long or at all, but we are actually next door neighbors um, <laughs> in this facility where we're in. So uh, it's it's just one of those things where it's really cool to meet new people. And, Absolutely. you know, you're 15 feet away and I had no idea kind of thing. So um, as a preliminary message, uh, you know, say hello to people, uh, exercise your ability to meet new faces, um, go out of your way to say hello, put a smile on your face. I think in this instance, it's resulting in an option and an opportunity to tell somebody's story, which could impact who knows how many people. So I wanted to turn it over here to Josh for his introduction and, uh, go ahead and tell the listeners and the viewers out there who you are and what you do. Absolutely. No, so I appreciate this, John. Absolutely. I'm Josh Foster and I would describe myself as a strategic thinker. There we go. Um, I'm an advisory manager and my goal is simply to problem solve. Yeah. So that's where I get, um, I guess you can call it the rush of my everyday life is just literally figuring out problems and figuring out how I can advise people. Yes, sir. And when it comes to advisory management, I think a lot of people who are listening might say, well, you know, that's like the equivalent, as we said, of like consulting, right? It could yes. be anything. Yes. So when it comes to how you are utilizing that title and what kind of space are you operating for the most part? So I'm operating in what we call finance transformation. Mm -hmm. And so even to go a level under that, it's more so related to audit. Mm -hmm. And so I used to do financial statement audits mm -hmm. and that allowed me to develop, well, I built the skill set doing audits yeah. and that allowed me to become a consultant where now I can advise people on, hey, I know what the auditor is going to look for right. because I was an auditor. Mm -hmm. And so you're essentially helping people throughout that process. Right. Along with that, you're figuring out ways for processes to be more efficient. Yeah, that's an important element too. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for me, um, 
I would call myself someone who's productive, but I hate doing things that are just redundant. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that just take a long time. So I'd rather sit down and figure out how can we make this more efficient. Right. And we figure out those processes and get it to the client. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how you provide that value. Yeah, absolutely. And and I have to say from somebody who works in video production, man, you walk into a new environment and it could be a crapshoot, right? Yeah. It's a problem every time, but it's your job to figure it out and do so in an efficient manner. And uh, you know, before we kind of dial it back and go back to some of the origins, mm-hmm. describe that rush for somebody out there. Because I know like when a bid comes out for a gig or something where I, you know, get the opportunity to pursue work and mm-hmm. work with some somebody in a creative capacity, it's a rush, man. Yeah. Like I love the uncertainty of it at times. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be frustrating as well. Don't get me wrong. It's a double-edged sword, but mm-hmm. the ability to exercise your professional skill set in a new way each and every time is just special. Uh, what, is, what has that been like for you? So for me, I would say when I came on to a project, mm-hmm. Um, the client, they just weren't hitting certain targets that was yeah. set by their leadership. Mm-hmm. And so coming in and seeing that, and I'll give you an example. One of the goals was to be, to get to a 90% of whatever that metric was. Mm-hmm. When I came in, they were around 50 something percent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is just it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. A lot of work to do. And so me stepping in, um, I was able to do some, some data analysis and, make some things just more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and even things that I had taken over from other team members, mm-hmm. I felt that it took too long. So just being able to uh, be creative yeah. and provide that to the client, now they're they're hitting 95 to 98% no every big deal. year. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> and so even, even some of the things, and I will talk about the rush, is some of the things that I've created for the client mm-hmm. Um getting an email from a deputy CFO mm-hmm. of a DOD agency saying, this is exactly what we needed. Yeah, man. There is no better rush than that. Feels just, good. Yeah. Just to see your work be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, so those are, that's an example of where that rush comes in. Yeah, very much so. Well, you're in a position now where you've, you found some career success by no mm-hmm. means is the journey over at all. At I think all. you're extremely early in that process, which is exciting in and of itself. But um, I want to kind of take it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are Ohio's Midwest, right? Absolutely. So you're a fellow Midwesterner. I'm from Missouri. Um, we got uh, Ohio. I'd love to sort yes. of paint that picture for you from an early phase uh, because it sounds like, as I went through here and even discussed with you early on, a lot of good mentorship along the way, a lot yes. of valuable lessons learned. Uh, but take us back. Where where did it all start? Yeah, so where it all started was Dayton, Ohio. Uh, specifically, the first home that I remember was off a street called Salem Avenue, which hey, is Salem, Missouri. It's my home. Oh, Sorry. wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty go. freaky. Um <laughs> So yeah, it was Salem Avenue and it wasn't the best area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I remember living there and we had a couple break-ins mm-hmm. to where my parents, they're like, okay, we have to get out of this area. Yeah. Um, and so it was weird because we went from that area into a mobile home. Mm-hmm. And so being a young kid at that time, it, it was, you know, kind of hard to understand. And the house was just, it was so small. Yeah. My brother and I shared a room yeah. and then I had three sisters. They were sharing a room. Yep. And so we really didn't know, you know, what was going on at that time. And then mm-hmm. you go to school and people can see, you know, what bus stop you're at, different things of that nature. Right. And you're called the trailer park kids. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a little tough growing up and mm-hmm. it kind of put a chip on your shoulder. But at that time, we didn't understand that our dad was trying to build a business. And so he sacrificed living and something that may not, that may have been over his budget at that yeah. time um, in order to save and put the money in the business. Right. And so he was involved in real estate. He yeah. was opening a real estate brokerage. Yeah. And once again, just, you know, growing up in that environment, not only are you in a trailer park, however, you get to see someone build a business from the ground up. Yeah. And so for me, I always tell him that that was very inspirational. Very much so. 
And even, you know, my mother stepping in and she helped them with the business and she yeah. ended up getting her license as well. Yeah. Um, it just gave us a different type of of hustle as as kids. Yeah. And one of the cool things um, growing up in that time was just yeah. our dad would bring us to all the houses that he was going to sell. Mm hmm. And we would cut the grass. Yeah, nice. He had a little, he had like a workforce ready yeah, to go. Yeah, he had a workforce. <laughs> so, yeah, we would cut the grass for him, um, get the house ready. Yeah. And it was pretty cool because we ended up getting our names on the lawnmowers. So, there we go. Yeah. So it was nice. And that's how we started making money at a young age. Yeah. And so it kind of taught us, hey, you know, everything isn't just given to you. You're mm -hmm. going to work for this and, you know, we can provide a check. Yeah. But, um, just once again, just seeing the business aspect at a young age yeah. really helped. And that's, I think, uh, that appreciation for that hustle mentality from a really young age. That's a cool thing to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever you're in the early phases of building a business, and I can attest to this, having tried to build my own video production company, mm -hmm. it's just like there's a lot of uncertainty there at times. There's a Absolutely. lot of doubt. Um, and you have to make cuts where you have to make cuts, mm -hmm. um, and, and knowing that, you know, he made that sacrifice for you and for the family to see the growth and success of something that he had a passion for and had a dream for. Yeah. That's, I can see that being extraordinarily inspirational. Absolutely. So uh, go into a little bit of the, you know, there's obviously you talked about in a trailer park scenario, like there's sort of, um, I don't know, a stigma maybe that comes with that and dealing yeah. with some of that when it came to your your peers, uh, you talk about also like a chip on your shoulder, mm -hmm. describe that dynamic a little bit. And if at all, did it affect you at school or how you sort of build up your own image as you continue to get mm -hmm. older? Yeah, it definitely impacted me. Um, a lot of people who have known me for years, they're very surprised at how calm my demeanor is because yeah. they remember me when I was a kid. Yeah. I had a very bad attitude. Um, ultra competitive, which mm -hmm. I'm still competitive, but mm -hmm. it was just taken to another level as, yeah. as a child because you always felt like you had to prove that, okay, I'm living here, but I'm still better at you and, yeah. you know, sports or anything of that right. nature. Um, even in the classroom, mm -hmm. I, it never really bothered me from, um, I guess you can say my grades or mm -hmm. anything of that nature. I, I would still get good grades, yeah. but once again, it was even from that standpoint that, okay, you live here, but I can still get better grades yeah. than you. So that's kind of the motivation for me. Right. It was always trying to prove that no matter where I lived, I could still accomplish certain things that these yeah. other kids were, um, that these other kids couldn't accomplish. That yeah. that was the motivation for me. Yeah. And that's powerful. I got to say, um, and, and the coincidence that you were on Salem Avenue, my yeah. hometown is called Salem, Missouri tiny little place, <laughs> man, like 5,000 people, maybe kind yeah. of thing. Um, but, but getting out of high school and going to college and then moving into the, you know, the DC area, that chip's still there, man. Yeah. It was always this thing like, you know, I may not be from any kind of big city, but I'll prove you wrong. Right. And it's a good thing to have. But as you said, you know, that ultra competitive mentality, being able to balance it and understand how to combine that motivation mm -hmm. with, um, you know, uh, being cordial or working with people in a, in a constructive way. Exactly. It does, you know, it takes a little juggling. Yeah. Uh, but once you get there, it's a powerful recipe for success. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I'll always be from, you know, small town America. Yeah. But that's not yeah. going to hold me back. Exactly. So when it comes to, as you kind of move now through your educational phase, you're, you're sort of, you got a front row seat uh, to dad's mm -hmm. growth in this space. Um, Talk a little bit about that as, as he continues to follow that dream and how that balance is between having a parent who is building a business, but you're also very involved in school with athletics and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Paint that picture for us. Yeah. So one thing, and I still don't know how he was able to do this, <laughs> but my dad, he made it to, to every game growing up. I, I really, right there. Yeah. I really don't remember him missing games. And mm -hmm. at this time, he was in the Air Force, um, and after that, he would do real estate. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he would get up at 5, 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. just to try to get off early um, to make an additional income in, yeah. in real estate, but then he would still make it to our games. Yeah. So for me, that helped a lot, and my mom and my dad were, mm -hmm. were always at events. And the, the one thing that they did, and this is the same thing I want to do for my children, mm -hmm. 
is they never told me I couldn't do anything. Yeah. So even when I had big dreams and aspirations, the one thing they may ask is, you know, this sounds great. Now, now you got to figure out how you can get there. Right. It wasn't no way you can't do this or yeah. they never made anything uh, feel unattainable. So yeah. that's, you know, where I can give my parents kudos. And I, I think that's the battery pack that some children need. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's one thing that I want to carry, um, carry, you know, whenever I have children. Yeah. So yeah. that's powerful, you know, because I think even more today than ever before, uh, the opportunity to do just about anything you want in the digital age and with yep. the av- amount of information that's out there easily available on YouTube or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want it and you have a good encouraging force in the form of a parent or a mentor or whoever that is who can push you in that direction, man, that's it, yeah. seriously the world's your oyster. Yeah. You can make it happen. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to dive in a little bit on your athletic career because mm-hmm. As we were discussing beforehand, uh, you had some good forward momentum yes. uh, when it came to basketball in particular, but maybe some other sports as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sort of fizzled out. And yeah. I think that's the story of a lot of young people who are involved in sports and then find they just kind of fall off that wagon after a while. Um, Absolutely. Sort of take us through that. Yeah. So, gosh, I started playing basketball in the first grade. Mm-hmm. Um all the way up until you can pretty much say college. So yeah. I would say the pinnacle for me, which as you mentioned, the pinnacle for a lot of people is, mm-hmm. is high school, mm-hmm. um, played on a really good team yeah. and, uh, I'm still the, the all time leading assist. Oh, wow. Uh, person Dude, at a, my school. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So luckily name is still on the board <laughs> at the school. So sometimes I like to go back just to see if anyone's yeah. broke my record. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool, man. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Playing, I was going to say playing basketball, it, it was really my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, reaching the pinnacle in high school, had different colleges that were looking at mm-hmm. me. And uh, ironically, one of the schools was the Naval Academy, which is right up the street from Yeah, there. close by. Yeah. And so they would come down to uh, open gyms mm-hmm. and they wanted me to do a visit. Yeah. And then um, I had a really solid junior year in a, a school named Finley. They wanted mm-hmm. to offer me at that time. Um, but we held off yeah. just to see how the, my senior year would go. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to notice things was when I broke my nose prior to nationals. And so I had a really good summer. I, I made the top 100. Mm-hmm. And the day before I go to nationals, um, we're at this July 4th event something happens and and people start running and I get elbowed in the nose as someone's running. Yeah. And so, you know, you have all this adrenaline, so you don't even know you're hit in the nose. And then my sisters, they look at me. Yeah. My sisters, they, they just start screaming and I'm like, what? They're like, touch your nose. And so (laughs) I touched it and it's yeah, all the way over here. So it looks very straight from this angle. So you're good. You're in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to get surgery on that. And, um, so that allowed that took away my opportunity to play at nationals, which yeah. is where all the college coaches are. Yep. A lot of scouts. Absolutely. So from there that happened. And then my senior year, um, the Naval Academy, their coaches got fired. So that happened. Oof. Yeah. So a lot of things just started happening to where um, I end up going to Ohio Northern mm-hmm. as my backup plan. And when I got there, it just felt like I didn't have the same love for the game. Yeah. And that was the first time I had to really make a decision between what I wanted versus what I think I should do for other people. Right. And so I made that decision that I was going to stop playing basketball and Mm -hmm. start focusing on business. Yeah. Um, And just, you know, learning everything I can about business. And so when that news came, I remember the, the coach came to my room. Yeah. Um, he's like, is this serious? He called my parents. Mm-hmm. My sisters came up. They, oh, wow. They actually came up to the school. It's they an were, intervention. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. And everyone yeah. is like, are you sure you're making the right decision? Because everyone knew me for basketball. So this was a this was a big deal to yeah. just stop. Right. Um, and I told them, I said, hey, I feel like I'm making the right decision. And in that moment, um, 
And, and this goes for everyone. In the moment where you're making a decision that's truly for you, mm-hmm. a lot of people may not understand, but yeah. you really have to go with your gut and know yeah. that, hey, I'm making this move for me and I have a game plan for right. this. And so looking back at it, you know, my parents talked to me and they're like, hey, you know, that was a great decision. Yeah. Because, you know, they didn't know I was going to end up here in, in D.C., mm-hmm. um, you know, working for a large firm. And obviously we live in this building where you can go up to the rooftop and you're looking at all the monuments. It's, yeah, it's cool. View. It's really ridiculous coming from the from the Midwest. Yeah, so very much so. You couldn't even fathom that. But it all started from that decision. Right. And trust in my gut. Yeah. So. And the, the direction was a good one. And I think it will yes. continue to reveal itself as a good decision. Uh, but it's not to say that you don't still love the game. Like, exactly. I've been looking everywhere for a pickup league, which, by the way, yeah. we got to chat if you know Absolutely. of anything. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, that that passion for a sport at an early age, it teaches you a lot. It does. Um, and it, it's sort of a deep love that never really leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's tied in with the physicality or moving your body, your muscles. All the chemical receptors are saying, yes, mm-hmm. you know, jump higher, run faster. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful sport. Absolutely. So, um, when it comes to your lessons from your parents, mm-hmm. uh, you, you go into some details that I think are really, really profound that a lot of viewers and listeners would appreciate. But, you know, they were always there, mm-hmm. but they had an important message for you, which was that, you know, we're not going to hold your hand through all this stuff. Absolutely. And it provided you with the infrastructure of self-sufficiency mm-hmm. that allowed you to say, you know, I, I'm going to figure this out on my own. Yep. Um, I think that story is different for everyone, but, you know, tell us a little bit more about that dynamic and maybe some of the conversations that happened around those decisions on Mm -hmm. the part of your parents. Yeah. So I would say like most college students, whenever you go to college um, on the weekends, you contact your parents. Hey, can you send me some money for the weekend? Different things of that nature. And so that was happening throughout my freshman year. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point to where my dad, um, you know, one of the phone calls that we had, he's like, only time you call me is, is if you need money. <laughs> and Oh, no. Yeah. And so we got into that conversation and he's basically like, hey, I'm, I'm cutting you off. Uh, you're going into your sophomore year. Mm-hmm. There are campus jobs, different things of that nature. Yeah. You need to get a job and start handling your business. Right. So he switched my cell phone into my name, my car insurance. Boom. So now I had to actually take care of these things. Yeah. And at that time, I didn't really understand it. I'm like, you know, I'm not making that much money or, you know, what can I, how can I pay this? Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening um, was I got two campus jobs mm-hmm. and was able to, you know, buy my own food, yep. pay for my phone bill, pay for my car insurance. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, uh, going back to, to my father, mm-hmm. One of the things that always that I always loved about him, you could give him a scenario and he could just figure stuff out like that. Yeah. And that's essentially what he was trying to teach me. Yeah. Was if I give you everything, I'm stripping I'm stripping away the kind of figure it out very uh, much skill so. that you develop. Yep. And so that was the lesson in all of this was that, hey, I'm cutting you off. You need to start handling these things. Yeah. Um, and that's how I feel like that's really how I was able to develop that figure it out skill to where now some people may look at me and, and they're like, how can you just come up with stuff like that? But (laughs) it's really a skill like everything, you you know, you, you do it enough times. Um, it, it just becomes second nature. And so I appreciate him for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, to be quite honest, after my sophomore year, I truly don't think my parents, have provided me um, anything financially. The a couple of things they've given gifts, of mm-hmm. course. Yep. But it hasn't been to the standpoint of, hey, can you send me some money for yeah. X Y Z? And um, it's just really amazing to to think about because I just didn't imagine that them cutting me off, I would be able to be self sufficient from there on out. And that's probably all I needed at that time. Yeah, really? So do you feel like that deepened your relationship with them over time? I mean, maybe it was a little hard to cope with initially, Mm -hmm. but looking back, I think, as you mentioned, it's been a blessing in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Just some of the things that um, I do now, as far as, you know, moving into 
an apartment and having to set up things. Yep. I, I feel like if I didn't get that exposure at a younger age, yeah. um, certain things would be hard. Right. And so just, you know, being able to, to do that at an early age, yeah. I feel like that, that definitely helped me. Thanks for tuning in to the Wealth of Self podcast. The audio-only version of these stories can be found on nearly every major podcast streaming platform from Spotify to Apple Podcasts and many, many more. Your support as we grow this movement is immensely appreciated. You can help us out by leaving a rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend or a loved one who you feel would benefit from hearing these stories. Finally, If you're interested in seeing the video interview that accompanies these stories, head over to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for the full viewing experience. While you're there, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, or follow the channel, and share your thoughts in the comment section. For additional information on how to support the Wealth of Self, head over to www.wealthofself.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. Well, we're at an interesting intersection right now where you are sort of making this decision in college mm-hmm. and you you sort of go through the remainder of your college experience and then you get into the professional space. And yeah. along that journey, you're picking up a couple of really amazing mentors. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted you to take us on that journey as you, you finish up your academic portion of your life and then you begin to embark on this next phase. So what does that look like for you? So... One thing that I that I left out, but it ties in with mm-hmm. this as far as a mentor. Yeah. So I went to college for pharmaceutical business. Mm-hmm. And that's big business in America. <laughs> Absolutely. Big business. Absolutely. So uh accounting became my minor. Mm-hmm. And so I took an accounting course and the professor, he comes to me, he's like, Hey, you passed that class pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you not thought about going into accounting? Yeah. And I'm like, I actually haven't. And so I just kept taking classes Mm -hmm. just to get some credits. And by the time it was finished, I almost graduated with two degrees. Mm -hmm. I could have had an accounting degree, but I would have had to do a, um, gosh, an internship to graduate. So I didn't want to spend more time in college. Um, so, so I left from there, but that accounting professor who persuaded me to take more accounting classes, Mm -hmm. he's also the one who, actually helped me get into the field that I'm in now. Yeah. And so um provided me so much guidance mm. to where we still talk to this day. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's uh, a he's lot of people can't say that too, you know. Yeah. It, it's a great feeling because, you know, having my father as a mentor, that's great. But we all need someone outside of our parents Very much to so. listen to. Mm-hmm. And so he became that um that mentor to yeah. me. And truly helped guide my career. And so yeah. I always feel indebted to him. That's powerful. That's very powerful. So when you're, when you're finishing up college, you mentioned that the job prospects were not there, at, yeah. at least not the way you expected them to be. Yeah. Um, and that's a scary situation for anyone who's exiting college. I mean, for, I think for a lot of people, it's just like a huge question mark. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is done. Mm-hmm. Know, what the hell am I going to do now? Exactly. Um, so it, take us through that a little bit because you, you, you said it was sort of a pivotal shift where you're like, you know, I'm going to start maybe helping dad a little bit, mm-hmm. but you also had some other career aspirations. So what was that dynamic like? Yeah. So it was very interesting because being a pharmaceutical business major, everyone tried to get into the big companies mm-hmm. as far as uh, Cardinal Health or Abbott and mm-hmm. Abbott mates. Uh, insure, Pedialyte, different things of that yeah. nature. Yeah. So I actually interviewed with Abbott, mm-hmm. did three interviews, mm-hmm. but the deciding factor was I took a character test mm-hmm. and it didn't come back um, as well as they, they wanted it to. So what are they looking for in something like that? I'm not sure. It's, it's a whole bunch of questions and you just pretty much choose what you would do in these scenarios. Yep. And then they put you in a certain category. And I was supposed to go on campus for my on campus um, mm-hmm. interview, which was the last interview. Mm-hmm. And they called me literally the day before. And they're like, Hey, based on the assessment, um, it doesn't align with what we're looking for. Oh man! Although I've actually talked to all these humans gone through three rounds mm-hmm. um, that, that was the deciding factor. And so graduating, I had nothing lined up, Yeah, which, which was scary at that time. Yeah. And it's, 
yeah, I'm sure some other students have done it, but it's a situation where you're telling your friends, hey, I'm just taking some time off before right. I jump into something. Yeah, what are you going to yeah, say? Yeah, like right? that's, that's all you can say. Sh- is, saving face almost. You exactly. Know? And so you start, you know, coming up with these excuses. Um, and then my dad, he's like, hey, you know, you can help me with uh, some of the real estate mm-hmm. stuff. And so he was doing these things called broker price opinions, which are basically quick appraisals. Mm-hmm. And so I would help him with that um, to get money. Yeah. And essentially, right when I started, he got this big contract and we had to do BPOs for about 700 homes within a two to three week span. And this is back in Ohio at this point yeah, still? this okay. is back in Ohio. And so um, I'm, I'm living at the house mm-hmm. and our setup was however many BPOs I do, he takes a cut. And that's my rent payment. Nice. So my, my dad, he still wouldn't let me live for free. He, he, I had no job, no real job. He still is like, no, you have to He's figure this it real. out. He's yeah. got to live up to his word. Exactly. You have to figure this out. And so once we get that big contract, we're literally walking up the street through all these houses. We have to do the pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go back and and I start pricing, helping price these homes. And it's funny because my dad, he's like, my uh my accuracy rate went up since you started helping. There and we go. it got to the point to where I did um I priced so many houses that pretty much anywhere within a Dayton area, mm-hmm. I could look at a house and tell you how much it's worth. Yeah. And it was such a valuable skill set where sometimes I, I go back and I'm like, should I've just gone into that because it just became second nature and it was so easy to me. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking of the things as far as, you know, if somebody wanted to go into investing in different things in the real estate space, right? having that knowledge of how much a home costs based yeah. off the square footage, yeah. whether it has a garage or two bed, one bath, different things of that nature and knowing it like that. Yeah. It was just such a valuable skill. So, I mean, it's a practice makes perfect kind of scenario, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I wanted to take it back just a little bit because you talked about, you know, dad extending this sort of offer to you. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I I want your opinion on that, because I think when a lot of people who enter a family business, I don't know if there's like resentment involved with that. I've never had that opportunity, but it, it sometimes maybe can feel like oh, you know, I, I couldn't do this on my own. So they're like throwing me exactly. a bone kind of thing. Exactly. How did you, how did you feel about it? That's honestly, it sounds silly, but it's the competitiveness in me mm-hmm. to where I wanted to prove to myself that I didn't need my dad to, right. to help me out yeah. with this. <laughs> um, and, and so I told him, I'm like, dad, I, I've grown up around this. And sometimes when you grow up around something, you, you want to take a step back from it. Right. Because it's, it's pretty much all you know, and you want new experiences mm-hmm. to be more well-rounded. And so that's what I did. I told him I want to go inside the corporate world um, just so I can have, once again, different mentors and and different even teaching styles. Mm-hmm. And then I take those and create my own. Yeah. And so that was that was always the plan for me. And so the thing that made it difficult uh, moving along from there was when I got my first real job mm-hmm. um after a couple months of working with my dad. Yeah. And I just took it just to get my foot in the door. Right. So I started doing accounting at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't I was in a regional office, so I wasn't really at the branch actually renting cars out, yeah. but I was doing accounting there. Right. And at that time I believe my salary was, and I don't want to offend anyone, but yeah. my salary was 39000 mm-hmm. And it was the lowest out of any of my friends. Yeah. And so, you know, just social creep in general, you start right. looking at those things as far as, wow, I can't believe, you know, this is where I have to start and my friends are, are making, mm-hmm. you know, X amount of money. Right. And I'm not there. I can't do certain things that they can do just because yeah. I have to, you know, save my paycheck. Right. And so that that was rough because what I was making there every two weeks I can make with my dad in about four or five homes. Yeah. Yeah. So mentally it was hard right. to even push through that, but I knew that, okay, I'm doing this to truly develop skill sets mm-hmm. to become more well-rounded yep. and don't worry about the money right now. Um, just, you know, keep focusing and, yeah. and go from there. Well, this is maybe slightly off topic, but it's more of an opinion question. Mm-hmm. As you know, 
in DC, moving to DC, extremely expensive city. And yes. there are places around the country and the, uh, the world that are even pricier than DC. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that is, you know, a characteristic trait of so many big metropolitan spaces is like crazy rent prices, right? Yes. And it doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, yeah. From somebody who has had their experience in that field and, and sort of has a more generalized view of the landscape, what's your take on like these continually rising rental prices. What does that mean for the average person 10, 15 years from now? Yeah, it's uh, it's honestly a scary situation to be in because especially the differences between the Midwest and here. Oh, yeah. So when whenever you come out to D.C., you see a lot of apartment buildings being built. Mm-hmm. You don't really see a lot of development for single-family homes. Right. And so that kind of gives you the landscape of, how they want the area to be. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the Midwest, you see a lot of um, single family homes, yep. suburbs, they're building um, cul-de-sacs, different things of that nature. And so it's, you know, more obtainable to get a home in the Midwest than it is here. Oh yeah. And it's, it's interesting because that was the first thing one of my friends said whenever he came out here, mm-hmm. he's like, I've never seen so many apartment buildings before. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just the way it is, it, maybe there needs to be some type of control, mm-hmm. you know, from a rent standpoint, yeah. um, because you want people to be, to be homeowners and, um, take advantage of some of the programs that they have, yeah. but they need the opportunities. It, there needs to be more actual homes right. <laughs> right. in order to take advantage of those opportunities. So yeah. I'm definitely curious to see how, how it changes over the years. Yeah. And DC is a u- very unique place, you know, because it's a, a very stratified place and mm-hmm. it's interesting because of how close we are in proximity to the lawmakers of the yeah. nation. So, you yeah. know, you have this very hyper stratified environment that is, um, almost like it's almost like it's on hyperbole, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's the people who make the decisions and then you can kind of see it play out in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have these areas of the city that are rapidly developing, but at the same yep. time there's an increasing homeless population uh, yep. and it, it just sort of stands in opposition to one another. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting take. And I think as time moves forward, it's going to become a tougher and tougher situation for so many people. Yeah. Um, Cause I think as more apartment buildings go up, fewer and fewer people control the mm-hmm. ability to determine other people's livelihood in the sense yeah. of having an apartment or having a home. And yeah. that's, that's a tough thing. And one, one thing I'll say um, because I think this could be beneficial to, to anyone. Mm-hmm. I would definitely try to get a, a home mm-hmm. as early as possible from the standpoint of if you can take advantage of an FHA loan and mm-hmm. do 3.5% down, or if you, if there is a, um, home, uh, home buyers program for yeah. a first time home buyer. And even if it says you have to stay in it for five years, mm-hmm. honestly, that sort of messed me up here because when I first saw it, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be out here for five years. Right, right. I'm coming up on seven years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You surpassed it. Yeah. So I could have had a home, built up a lot of equity. As Mm -hmm. you know, this area appreciates ridiculously. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, don't, I would definitely tell people, um, yeah, if you're able to and, and you can figure out how to come up with that money, I would definitely just just try to get a home because you're going to pay it to someone. Right. Whether so, it's rent or you yeah. have a stake in it at the end of the day. Absolutely. So that's a pretty special thing. Well, I wanted to navigate uh, towards some more mentorship for you. Yes. Specifically, you had an individual who is in the realm of Wall Street yes. uh, who passed along some very formative messages and mm-hmm. uh, advice for you. And I'd love, I'd love to hear more about that relationship. Absolutely. So um, this individual is, is Raymond McGuire mm-hmm. and... As you mentioned, he's been an executive on Wall Street. Yeah. And so he's a close family friend to us. Yeah. Um, growing up, his brother was my pastor mm-hmm. and our families were, were very close. Yeah. Um, but he always lived in New York City. And yeah. so he was one of the first people who I knew of, personally knew of, who was successful and living the life that that I want to live. Right. And so being able to meet him and have conversations uh, we started having conversations here and there. And mm-hmm. when I first moved out to DC, as you mentioned, the rent, it was very tough. You're mm-hmm. you're like, I'm I don't feel like I'm making enough money to even live here and right. I'm not even living lavishly. Yeah. So 
it got to a point to where I called him and we're having a conversation and I'm like, Hey, I, I'm really considering moving back to Ohio. Just, mm-hmm. it, it's too expensive. Uh, my, my company's not paying enough money. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know what to do. And the one thing that he told me that, that always stuck with me, he's like, Hey, I'm from Dayton, Ohio as well. Mm-hmm. I moved out to New York. Yeah. And he said, when you focus on perfecting your craft, all the economics fall into place. Yeah. And that's the quote that I, that I keep with me um, to this day. That's a great one. Yeah. And, and, and you start to look at it. And now I feel that it's really come to fruition mm. because I, I've built up, I guess you can call it some career capital mm. and, and have focused on my craft. The economics have fallen into place. Yeah. And so, you know, just, you know, for everyone to keep that in mind, it may not seem you know, all roses and different things of that right. nature at this point in time, but you do have to find the craft mm-hmm. and perfect it. And I truly believe that that economics will fall into place because now you've made yourself more valuable to the marketplace. Absolutely. And I think that that's goes right into the statement about, you know, not skipping steps. Yes. Uh, you really have to make sure that you have one foot in front of the other. It's one brick on top of the next. That's going to yes. build the empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was that a quote specifically from your, uh, from your dad, the, the don't skipping steps part, or that's sort of an embodied piece that you've taken away from all of it. Yeah. I would say it's an embodied piece and, um, also just from, from the sports world, I think of someone like, like a Kobe Bryant, who's, mm-hmm who always talks about the journey mm-hmm. and that's how process. I view it. Yes. Yes. And that's how I view it. You, you have to truly be in love with the journey. Yeah. There's going to be ups and downs. Um, there's going to be things that don't go your way yeah. and you just really have to stay even kill and, and know that, okay, this didn't go my way, but I know what I'm heading toward and right. I'm going to put in the work for that and not skip steps yep. because once you skip steps, when challenges come, you're not prepared. Yeah. And so I feel like making sure you take every single step in whatever field that you're in, mm-hmm. it's very important because now your foundation is stronger. Absolutely. So that's, you know, I always keep that quote with me as well. Yeah. And um, like you mentioned, I think it truly, uh, I embody it. Yeah, no, it's powerful. It's super powerful. And I think it's a, it's a message out there for everybody who's, who's trying to get to a certain place in life or in their career or wherever that may be. It's like Mm -hmm. you just keep on moving forward one foot in Mm -hmm. front of the next and you'll be at that destination one one day. And and actually to that point, when we talk about not skipping steps. So starting off my career here, um, I began an audit. Mm -hmm. And once again, wasn't making a lot of money. Yeah. I was working ridiculous hours. Oh, I bet. And what'd you clock in at? What's a, what's a high point? Um, so <laughs> literally from our busy season was August to probably November 14th or mm-hmm. 15th, depending on when the report comes out. Right. You work every single day. And I mean, Saturday and Sunday. Oof. Yeah. So, and, and people don't see that. Yeah. And so when people are like, they just see the end result, but they don't see all the work that you had to do to be in that position. Right. And, um, once again, had to take all of those steps. And I mm-hmm. felt like it was truly a slow grind to where now I work half as much, mm-hmm. but then you're compensated yeah, X amount more. Right, right. And so you truly just have to do the grunt work before the glory. Yeah. So that's a quote that I got from um, a book called how to become CEO. It talks about nice, the nice. grunt work before glory. Yeah. And so that's another quote that I keep with me. That's incredible. Well, I mean, you're still so early in your career and the the road ahead is a long one, but what is next whenever you look at, yeah. you know, the next couple of years, where are you trying to navigate with your life yeah. uh, personally and professionally? How's that looking for you? Yeah. So I would say professionally, um, I, I'm on a really good trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so luckily I was able to make manager at my firm right before I turned 30. Heck and so yeah, that, that was a, that was a goal for me because awesome. yeah, not having a true accounting background going into a firm where this is the type of work that they do yeah. and being able to navigate that and get within the management group, it was a huge mm-hmm. accomplishment for me. And so um, everyone's goal in a consulting practice, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people want to get to partner. Yeah. For myself, I don't know if that's the goal 
but I would like to go a couple more steps and to give perspective where I'm at now, I only have to do director, managing director, and then I'm a partner. So it's really a couple more steps. You're right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a couple more steps. Um, but I would definitely say I want to stay in the, uh, defense sector Mm -hmm. advising Mm -hmm. and truly figuring out ways to, uh, digitize and, and and transform some of the stuff that we're doing at these agencies. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool for me. Yeah. And um, being able to make processes more efficient because everyone wants their tax dollar to be right. maximized. Right. And so that's how I think of it whenever I'm doing a project. How yeah. can we truly maximize someone's tax dollars yeah. by making certain things more efficient? Yeah. yeah. So I definitely want to stay in that space. It's um, a good space to be in. In yes. DC, the defense sector. Yeah, you probably can't be anywhere else where it's stronger. Yeah. So it's yeah. a, it's a wise move geographically speaking. Absolutely. So that's definitely a part of the plan. And, yeah. and whether or not I want to start my own consulting firm. Um, yeah, I was going to say, right? <laughs> you have a dad who's an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's in 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 your genes, you know. Yeah. And so it, it's it's good to to build your network. Mm-hmm. From that standpoint, because I do have folks in my network who have taken that leap and started yeah. their consulting firms and been able to get contracts right. and have seen the fruits of their labor. Mm-hmm. And so some of them have reached out to me and said, Hey, if you ever yeah. want to do this, you know, I can show you the roadmap. Right. Another advisor. Another exactly. Mentor. Exactly. And so as I mentioned to you before, to me, wealth involves an abundance of, of everything. And, right. and one of those things is relationships. Yeah. And so being able to have people in your network that, aren't afraid to share information with you. Yep. Um, Cause that's the most valuable thing these oh, days. Is super valuable. <laughs> we're in an information age. Yes. So it's, you know, who can I get the best information from that mm-hmm. will help me get to where I need to go quicker. Absolutely. And networking allows that. Yes. hundred percent. And I will say from the video production point of view and the business owner uh, point of view in this space, you know, you can watch a thousand YouTube tutorials yep. and I've done that. You know, I've put in my time to learn <laughs> yeah. the equipment and learn the lighting and learn the audio and it's paid dividends over mm-hmm. the long run. But the most valuable thing you can have is a mentor. Absolutely. And uh, I, I will say, you know, I moved back into D.C. right as the pandemic was starting. So oh, wow. it made that sort of dynamic of meeting people and, and finding mentors challenging. Yeah. And that's alleviating now more. But the value you can get from somebody who's been in those shoes and gone mm-hmm. through those struggles and has those pieces of advice that they can just pass off. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. It is great. like immensely, immensely helpful. Um, but you, you hit on a really wonderful point talking about, you know, abundance, not necessarily mm-hmm. of possessions, but of people close to you and lessons learned. So yes. when it comes to the wealth of self, um, just paint that picture for people out there when it comes mm-hmm. to your family, your career, what is, you know, true wealth to you? Yeah. So true wealth to me is, uh, I'm not going to discount abundance from a monetary standpoint. Mm-hmm. That is very important. Um, but, but to that point, I think there needs to be an abundance of relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, immediate family, yeah. uh, my, my brothers, I mean, my brother, my sisters, yeah. and my parents, having them and being able to to talk to them pretty much daily yeah. uh, and to continuously feel that love, Very much for so. me, that's, yeah. that's the true form of wealth. Mm-hmm. As far as my close friends and different things of that nature, I look at that as another form of wealth. Yeah. To have people... In my corner, who I've known for so many years mm-hmm. that, you know, where I, where I can ask them a question or anything of that nature and get the honest truth. Yeah. Um, because sometimes you can't get that from from people. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to. Yeah. Hard to get. And so just having that abundance from a relationship standpoint is very key. And then another thing um, for me that falls under the wealth category for me, I would have to say getting to a level to where you can truly spend your time how you want to. That's, you know, that's everyone's goal. Yeah. And, um, that's truly where I want to get to within, hopefully within the next decade. That's, yeah, that's the goal. And being able to, to give back, um, that also falls under, under wealth to me because Mm -hmm. you have an abundance, you're able to give back right? and not even money, but your time. Exactly. And for me, I get involved where I can. So yeah. I've done engagements where I'm speaking to mm-hmm. um, younger kids mm-hmm. where 
I, my friend has a nonprofit and I was able to go, um, speak to these kids over. Yeah. It was over zoom during a pandemic, but we essentially talked about just financial literacy. Yeah. Something that a lot of kids in schools across America do not get enough. Absolutely. (laughs) So, and it's amazing because these kids were, they were in high school. Mm -hmm. They really didn't understand, you know, what, what stocks were, um, they really haven't heard the term equity, different yeah. things of that nature. And so being able to have that conversation and then my friend called me after and he's like, man, the kids can't stop talking about this. Yeah. He's like, you think this was just a regular conversation, but this is changing lives over here. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's that's a form of wealth. Very much is, so. Yeah, just to, just to give back in, in any form possible. Yeah. And, and everyone thinks that, they can't, they don't have enough money to donate to a charity or anything of that nature. Just donate your time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. being in DC, especially, there are a lot of good causes that operate up here. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, the ability to get connected and influence people even online now is, yeah. is greater than it has ever been. Yeah. Uh, so that is incredibly motivational to know that you've had the opportunity to do that and hopefully will continue to have those opportunities um, moving forward. But um, this has been a wonderful conversation. I appreciate getting to know my neighbor uh, a little bit better. It's a special, a special occasion. And um, I look forward to having more conversations like this, but uh, I think you've got such a long road ahead and uh, I'm excited to see where you go because I think you're, you got some firepower. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And I appreciate being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Wealth of Self podcast. The audio-only version of these stories can be found on nearly every major podcast streaming platform from Spotify to Apple Podcasts and many, many more. Your support as we grow this movement is immensely appreciated. You can help us out by leaving a rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend or a loved one who you feel would benefit from hearing these stories. Finally, If you're interested in seeing the video interview that accompanies these stories, head over to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for the full viewing experience. While you're there, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, or follow the channel, and share your thoughts in the comments section. For additional information on how to support the Wealth of Self, head over to www.wealthofself.com. Thank you so much for your viewership. We'll see you on the next one.